This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 459 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, Total Saddle Fit, and Sterling Essentials. Today we talk with Hillary about what led us to become professional horse people, and Emily Miles joins us for a great trainer tip. Sandfield from Loxahatchee, Florida. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Shaw's Radio Show. Hi, Phil. How are you this I'm week? Just, I'm doing good. Still <laughs> doing good, you know? I'll be well, happy with the show season is here and we're getting out, we're doing stuff. I'm ready for this now, right? Like yes. I've been training all winter. I'm like, these horses are feeling great. Let's, Let's do, do this. this. <laughs> now I have to I have to wait another month and a half, I think, before we have our actual first show planned. We can come so. to Kentucky. You can just come visit us. Because, <laughs> yeah, so this is actually my last show that we're recording from Florida. We're uh, recording a little bit early because Phil's traveling and then I travel home. So we're a little bit early. So we don't have any real news because we're actually recording. Yeah, we'd love to days. report on the big yeah. <laughs> uh, three-star, four-star that's going on. But uh, we don't know what what It's happening right now. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's Exactly. And, and it works a little bit better in Phil and my travel schedule, but uh, it kind of goes into what we're talking about this week. And and Hillary uh, was really cute. She, she almost interviews us a little bit about yeah, we give how a little we backstory came. and yeah. where we come from and how we came to be horsey professional people. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a little bit interesting anyway. So we, well, we, we hope. <laughs> we hope people enjoy it. Yeah. And <laughs> Exactly, exactly. So it's really fun. And so we hope you enjoy a little bit about our life story. I don't think we've ever really talked about it so much. So I hope you enjoy that today. So uh, right after this commercial break, we're going to come back with Hillary Moore Hebert for her monthly segment. And, and it's a little bit about how we became professional riders. This Nutrition Minute is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, the company that simplifies your search for research-proven nutritional supplements at kppusa.com. If you've ever had a horse with diarrhea, you know what a frustrating problem it can be. Finding an ingredient that works to dry up the diarrhea becomes a high priority. It turns out that researchers have found one, a yeast called Saccharomyces boulardii. It has been proven to improve and halt episodes of diarrhea. It supplies specific nutrients to the lining of the small and large intestines, and these nutrients promote healing of irritated tissues. It also supports improved starch and sugar digestion in the small intestine, reducing the opportunity for imbalances to occur in the hindgut. Nalox Advanced, made by Kentucky Performance Products, contains Saccharomyces boulardii, along with a blend of fermentation solubles and stomach buffers. Nalox Advanced is recommended for horses of any age that are suffering from diarrhea. It also supports a healthy digestive tract in horses at risk for gastric or colonic ulcers, such as performance horses or any horse that is constantly on the go and exposed to stressful situations. For best results, Nalox Advanced should be fed on a daily basis. This Nutritional Minute has been brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products. You can find all of their terrific products at kppusa.com. 
Well, tonight I am so excited for her monthly segment to have Hillary Moore Hebert on the show. Hillary, how are you today? Hi, guys. I'm doing very well. I'm very warm down in sunny Florida. Oh, I know. Oh, Hillary, no, it's not cool. Not yeah, cool. I just thought I'd rub it in because uh, I'm getting a snowstorm today. There. You're getting yeah. a snowstorm. I know. That's why. I- this is the yeah. first time I mentioned it, how delightful the weather is. <laughs> it, it's re- I it was just came really from Maryland, nice. and it is horrible up there. You're so. not fun. You're, you're not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Kentucky just got a foot of snow. Kentucky never gets a foot of snow. So, you know, it's like, oh, All right. boy. All right. Let's not yeah. talk about that too much then. <laughs> <laughs> Episode over. This is the last time I'm ever yeah, going to be called again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like Hillary, when are you heading heading north? When do you? Oh, do um, later on. <laughs> Never. <laughs> yeah. Um, sometime towards the end of the month ish, but it's. I think that I am. I promise I'm going to be back in Maryland sooner rather than later. But I don't want to think about it. <laughs> it's very cold up there. <laughs> it's very cold up there. It's so true. I love it. Well, we've got a great conversation today. So you want to get us started on on what your topic wants to be today. Yeah, so I saw um, someone posting on social media a very interesting question that ended up um, creating a lot of interesting discussion, and I thought it was really an interesting topic that I wanted to talk about with you guys because we have a little bit diverse backgrounds in terms of how we got to where we are, but the question was, did you have a job when you first started out being a professional trainer, and do you still have another job? And why is that? And, you know, what are things to consider with generally juggling all of the aspects of that? And as a lot of the listeners know, I used to work as one of the editors at Versace Today. Um, before that, I was um, in graduate school for journalism. And before that, I used to work in politics and journalism. So I kind of off and on went between working both full-time at other jobs and having training businesses and now I'm just full-time doing this. So I thought it brought up a lot of questions um, and I thought it would be neat to kind of go around the table and have everyone talk about what their experience was. Did you go straight into this? When did you start doing this full-time? And then we could kind of chat about some of the things that were it factors in considering when to switch over. Yeah, I think I think those are cool questions. Yeah, I don't know if we've ever talked about it actually on the show. Yeah, that's um, kind of interesting. Yeah, Lisa, I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you take you this one. You want me go first? Okay. Yeah, All right, okay. I'll go first. Um, so, um, yeah, actually, I have a agri- uh, degree, uh, undergraduate degree in agricultural economics, and I have a master's degree um, in international commerce and diplomacy from the Patterson School. So. <laughs> I, horse training was still my first choice, so I still uh, started doing that. But yeah, I graduated high school, and that's when I went to Germany for a year. And um, because I wanted to train in Germany, I started to learn German, which would play later on in my life, which was a good thing. I just wanted to make sure nobody was talking about me behind my back. Let's be real. That's why I learned German. So I um, graduated high school, and I uh, went to Germany for a year. I went to Konrad Schumacher's Hofgut Neuhof, and I lived there and trained. And when I came back, I went to university for two years um, with a stint at Palm Beach Community College because my my dad finally said, um, well, actually, I went back to Germany for another year because the horse I had at the time, I, I wanted to 
finish him and, and do the Grand Prix with him. And so I went back uh, to Germany and then that's when my dad said, okay, yeah, you gotta, gotta go to school, girl. So I went to uh, Palm Beach Community College down here, did the Pan Am selections that year. And then I went back to school and, um, because, and stopped, continued to take German. So when I graduated college or right before my mom said, you know, there's this really cool master's program I think would be really cool because I was always into international politics and policy. I like ag policy. I was always kind of a policy girl. So throughout this time, when I got back the second time from Germany, I'd been asked to give some clinics and I started teaching and, and had a training business at my farm, my, my family farm, but small. Um, so when I finished um, college and grad school, I took the certified instructor exam actually three weeks before my comprehensive exams for grad school, the certified instructor exam was harder, <laughs> actually. It's a hard exam. And so I, I did that, and then I ended up really thinking, okay, let me let me try to do horses full-time. Um, so that's, I did. I went full-time professional at the time. But one thing that I've learned by being a professional rider is you have to do a lot of things. You have to be smart, and you have to, that, that's why I think a lot of people um, and you guys would also feel the same way. You have to be a really good communicator when you're a horse trainer, but you have to be able to do a lot of things well. So I really felt like, um, yeah, I mean, I, I started doing it and I started teaching clinics and traveling all over and having horses in training, um, which was great. I also um, got my certified appraiser's license. And by doing that, I um, that kind of helped that brought my economic degree together with my horse training business. So I can do that. Um, you know, I do the radio show. Phil and I have been doing this almost six years. Uh, I started with Glenn. Um, and I also teach at the University of Kentucky. I teach a global sport horse industry class. So this is all, now I do all this on top of my training business, which sometimes is really silly. Um, but I think it's important. I think, I think you end up in this business um, I also, I, I waited tables, I worked at Dillard's uh, and sold shoes. So I think when you are a full-time trainer, you really have to learn. It, it's really important. Yeah, you have to hustle. <laughs> I, you have to hustle. Yeah, you, and that's, hustle. you have to hustle. And that's, I think, that is actually one of the things I see here in Florida with, with the younger generation. I mean, we are all about the same age. So we all had the same struggles. And you know, these girls that sort of finish at four o'clock and, and think it's over. I mean, I just laugh at them. I mean, I maybe finish at four o'clock, but I need to shower and get in and, and do the radio show for, for three hours. You know, my day's not over and, or I have an appraisal or, or, you know, like, so I think maybe that's the one thing that, that is hard about this job is you have to hustle and you gotta be smart and you got it. And, and hustle, and that's not in a, that's working hard. I mean, you work hard in the barn, and then you got to find other sources of income. Um, I'm I'm lucky because um, my husband is not in the horse business, so uh, I'm able to get health insurance through him. Uh, that was my I, first question I was going to ask you, because Canada is a different thing, but I was yeah. curious to know how you had your health insurance. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, I, it would be very, very difficult with health insurance if I, I wasn't married. Um, and I, I don't think that, you know, they've upped the, the law, but at the time there was a time, I think it was 23 when I was, um, and I got married at 26. So I, there was three years I had to pay for my own health insurance. So that was, oh, so you paid for it for a while before they upped the, you know, they upped the age, yeah. but that was not, I didn't have, 
I didn't have health insurance for a while. Well, it, it, <laughs> I remember I remember having the worst possible health insurance possible. Yeah. But it was it was what I could afford, but I had something and um yeah, you know, which is I, much I, smarter everyone who is listening. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's much smarter to do, but I think a lot of people I think that's definitely changed in mm-hmm. the United States. That's changed the industry quite a bit to be able to be on your parents' health insurance mm-hmm. for longer for mm-hmm. a lot of people. Mhm. So that's pretty much my story. I mean, yes. Yeah, so I I I still use sort of all those things and you know, I started teaching at the university 3 years ago. I've done 3 classes, 3 semesters. I I teach only in the fall because of I'm here in Florida in the spring. Um but you know, I hope that that, you know, you never know where that will lead me. I I won't be able to ride horse. I mean, all of us at some point you can't ride uh, you know, eight horses a day and you got to have some other things. And, and I do tell my students, uh, both horsey and at school, you know, you, you guys have got to be able to do something else. So enough about me, Phil, tell us about you. I feel like I was pretty much just born into doing this as a job. So when I was about 50, so, you know, my, ho- my parents are very passionate about horses. They have other jobs. They're not trainers, but you know, having that passion kind of, um, from very young, I think then just becoming a trainer and, and helping people with horses just sort of came naturally to me. And I did get a little push that way because I think uh, my mom would have liked to have done this as a job. And a lot of people would have liked to have done this as a job. So, you know, I was presented with a lot of opportunities. Um, you know, when I was in my teens, we, um, my family owned a boarding barn. So we had, you know, clientele within the barn and, and stuff like that. So I've been riding professional like I've been getting paid to ride since I was about 15 and then when I graduated high school you know then I moved to um, the Netherlands to do the working student gig and you know so that just was the natural progression if you want education in dressage you move to Europe you do it the hard way and you know you muck a lot of stalls and you look for you work towards your opportunities to ride horses and to get lessons from people and so um you know, I, I went to a really great place that offered me a lot of that. I, I've heard, you know, if you're going to be a working student in Europe, there's not a lot of, you know, they expect you to work really, really hard and n- not get a lot in return for that. You know, you kind of learn to be a professional groom rather than a professional rider. But I went to a great place. Uh, I worked for Johan and Penny Rocks. Uh, Penny is actually born in Canada, so she understood where I was coming from. And, you know, what it's like to, you know, what dressage is like in Canada versus in Europe. So they really taught me a lot there. And, um, you know, so I did that. And then I came home and just picked up any ride I could, you know, worked in the industry, you know, and did any job that was around horses and just really worked and worked and worked and worked and worked until I think only maybe last year or the year before I actually made a little bit of money. You know, so that's what it took. Just a lot of um, you know, doing a lot of things that didn't pay, you know, just to get the opportunities and, and to get the experience and to meet the, the right people. And, you know, so that, that's that's sort of my story. I didn't really uh, I don't have a fallback plan. So if any of you guys want to, like, I don't know, pay me to do anything else, I, I you know, I might take that opportunity. But, I, you know. It's just, it's just what I wanted to do, and I was just really hyper-focused on, on making it work and making it work for me. So, 
uh, now I have the radio show and, you know, I get to travel a lot and, and I have now, a, you know, a super great clientele of people with horses that I ride and with teaching people and giving lessons. And so it was just a lot of trial and error, you know, in my life to, to get to this point and, and, you know, try and continue it going on. I don't think that you can ever, you know, say, okay, in five years I'll be where I want to be and then I can take a break or something. You just got to, like you guys said, just keep hustling and, and, you know, find what works for you and find what doesn't work for you. And, and, uh, you know, you have to create, like I said, you just have to create your own opportunities. Um, you know, I really feel for trainers in America, of course, about the, um, the health insurance thing and the the way that works. And thankfully I haven't had to think about those issues, you know. And it seems interesting that that's how, things are kind of shaped because I know at least for myself, a lot of that was the concern of, I think tying working for like a corporation to the fact that you have health insurance, there's just generally like security to it. So I think it's a very American thing. And I don't know Reese, if you feel otherwise, but it's a very American thing to have the idea of like a quote real job uh, if you can, because it's more stability. And so I think that I see a lot of, people in the U.S. who are very, very good riders that they end up kind of wavering between doing stuff where you think, oh, they're like an incredibly talented young rider. And then the next year you see that they're going to graduate school for something and their plan is to kind of still ride, but they want this concept of stability or their family wants them to have this concept of stability. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the issue, right? I mean, it's, it's really hard to, you know, it takes a while and you have to be able to kind of save and be smart. And it is very difficult. And, and I know a lot of young riders, and this is another conversation we could have is, is, you know, the working student, you know, the working student program's tough. It's really, really difficult. You don't make a lot of money. But one of the things that I tell my, my kids at school and my kids that, that are with me, it's like, First of all, I, I still do stalls. I, I don't know why somebody magically thinks because I'm a trainer, I don't do stalls. Like I still do stalls. I still do chores. Um, not every day. Uh, and I do say if I'm doing that, um, you know, that's not necessarily a good sign. But <laughs> but no, I mean, people get sick and people whatever. So get, get it out of your head that you're not going to do chores because it's part of this. And the other thing is when you choose this job, you're choosing a lifestyle. And I think that that's really important that everybody should know and and feel for their trainer, which is why we have talked about it, that it's important for your trainers, you know, you know, it's everyone else's fun. This is our job. So there's a conflict right there. And it's important to remember that is, is yes, we know you want to have fun. And so do we. uh, But a lot of times our fun is not in the barn. But that's what I see. I, I think that's what I see the most with, with the young younger kids coming up, not everybody, I don't want to make a generalization, but it's that idea that, that you, this is a lifestyle. It's not really about the money. Um, I mean, yes, we live very comfortable lives. All three of us were very lucky. And, you know, Hillary and I, you, you, you're, we're, we're here, you know, there's a lot of cool things about this job, but you're going to work hard. It's good. I don't even count how many hours I work. I don't even know. And people are like, Oh, I work yeah. so many hours. I don't, I can't even tell you. I, well, I, mean, I think it also, it takes a special person to, mm-hmm. you know, like if you talk about the security of a, you know, a biweekly paycheck or of health insurance, it, it takes a certain person to be able to, 
go with the flow to say, okay, this week I'm going to make a little extra money. And to be able to budget that, I think you have to be really good uh, financially mm-hmm. to to save and to look towards the future and and to plan. You know, that, that takes us a certain kind of person, I think, to be able to a little bit go with the flow and not to have that sort of security, mm-hmm. um, you know, or like I said, like a fallback idea of what you want to do. I mean, you just... You just have to go with it and you have to have a, you know, faith that things do work out. And if you, you, you know, you put the work in, it's, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be all right. And, you know, so it's a little bit, you know, uh, week to week living and a little bit month to month planning and, you know, and that kind of thing. And to be able to put things off to, to be able to spend in other places and, and to prioritize your own education, whether it be riding or you know, in an MBA program and to, to learn about the finances. I think that's also important and, and to, you know, try and pick up education wherever you can. And, and, uh, and, but I mean, in the end, I, I really, really love it. And it's, Mm -hmm. it works, you know, it works for, it works for me and it works for my wife who doesn't always like that, you know, like, well, you know, how many horses you got for training next month? I'm like, I don't know. We'll, we'll see when we get there. (laughs) That drives her crazy. Okay, Phil, I know. Hillary probably knows too. So Phil's really relaxed about that stuff. I'm, I'm <laughs> but I think I think what you just said also is a very interesting idea that I find um, often is like what I discuss with other entrepreneurs who have nothing to do with horses. Is you have to have that entrepreneurial mindset and be willing to be a risk taker and be kind of aggressive about certain things. And work more than 40 hours a week so that you own your own business, but also you own it, like you're responsible for it. And so that means that maybe you don't ever get the 4th of July off ever, ever again, because the horses are, you know, crazy with fireworks and they have to stay in. And, you know, same way, maybe if you have a bakery business, it means that you're going to be waking up the crack of dawn like for the rest of your life there's a lot of things that you just have to take and so I think it's just understanding the fact that we are small business owners and that that has good and bad things to it but you know like you said where it's like you just have to have people supporting you and maybe they aren't always perfect with it but they have to be okay with the idea that we aren't at a nine-to-five job where you know, everything finishes at five and you can take your cell phone and put it away. Like if we have a horse colicking in the middle of the night and you have to, you know, drive home through the night from a horse show to go and do that. And then you have to decide, do I drive back to the horse show having not gone to sleep and, you know, crazy things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's straight off. There's no perfect situation. I think, you know, you, 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 you know, you put in the time when you need to and, you try and plan for all the, you know, you can do fun things, right? It just takes extra steps in planning. Like, yes. you know, like yeah. Hillary, you coming down to Florida and getting some education for yourself. That takes extra responsibility and extra planning to make sure the people are in place and doing their thing, and you know, and, and yeah. to make sure your farm's looked after and all of that. Um, you know, you can do these things. It's just, yeah, it's an extra pain in the butt. You know, you know what I mean? You can't just like what you said, but it's not always like it may be 50% of the way there because I, I wanted to mention, I'm not sure everybody knows this. It's listening. I go back and forth every week. Would I love to be down here full time? 
a hundred percent yes. But I Wednesday after I work horses at home, fly down here so I can ride my horse. It, I am exhausted. I still go and take a lesson and like I am not allowed to that's the rule at the barn, like I'm not allowed to talk about how tired I am. And then Saturday after I work my horse, sometimes at a show, I fly home and then work horses at night, sometimes until midnight. And then get up the next morning and I teach twelve lessons sometimes on Sunday. Yeah. So And you, know, you have a baby think, that you're taking back and forth. Yeah, and I <laughs> yeah, I have a kid that I bring back with me all the time. But you know, I think that it speaks to exactly what you guys are talking about. It's like you have to make a plan for it. And sometimes it's more complicated, but also, you know, maybe you can't afford to go to regionals. Like that sucks. Like this is your job. And maybe this year you don't get to go because you have to save money so that you can, you know, afford to have your horse get shot through the winter. So, yeah, I mean, it's just this juggling act that makes us crazy, but if it's (laughs) for you, it's also really amazing and fun. I think so. I think it's a great job. I, I, I can't complain. Um, you know, I would, if it wasn't this, I would be doing something else entertaining. So you never know <laughs> for sure. Well, it's a good discussion. You know, it's good to absolutely to bring these issues up for anybody who's thinking about pursuing this as a career or, you know, thinking about what it takes to, you know, to drop the day job. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Well, Hillary, as always, thank you so much for your time and coming on the show. You always bring such great perspective. We love it. And uh, we hope you enjoy the sun. And actually, Hillary and I are going out to get some dinner here in a little while after we finish the show. So because uh, we never see each other. So, Hillary, <laughs> if our listeners have any questions, how can they find you online? The best thing to do besides just going to moredressage.com, which is my middle name, M-O-O-R-E, Um, They can find me on Facebook. And especially if there are people who are young professionals thinking of switching over, I would be happy to personally talk to anyone. We all will. Questions about this type of thing. (laughs) Yeah. We all will, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Well, Hillary, thank you as always. We love having you on. And uh, we will talk to you next month. Okay. Sounds great. Bye. Sterling Essentials offers scented natural leather cleaners and conditioners that provide effective care for your leather, containing a special blend of natural food-grade products as well as therapeutic-grade essential oils. They are specially formulated to match the pH of leather. This ensures that your leather is nourished and protected while still being gentle on you and your horse. By providing a natural barrier to protect against water damage, mold, and mildew, your leather can remain in mint condition year-round. Both Sterling Essentials Leather Cleaner and Leather Conditioner are offered in lavender, eucalyptus, and floral citrus fragrances. Ask for Sterling Essentials Leather products at your local tack and feed supplier, or you can visit them online at sterling-essentials.com. This week's dressage training tip is brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief girth at totalsaddlefit.com. Well, for this Total Saddle Fit tip of the week, Emily Miles, um, it came back and she's going to talk to us a little bit about 
training young horses and how she feels like young professionals need to be training young horses. And this fits into our young horse series that we've been doing. And so I hope you enjoy it. But Phil, you're going to tell us a little bit about our favorite girth from Total Saddle Fit. Well, this week I thought I'd talk about the synthetic shoulder relief girth because I think this is a very popular item for people who want to try out the great fitting shoulder relief girths, but maybe don't want to commit to you know, the price point of the stretch tech. Um, this is a great girth for kind of weekend riders and uh, people who like to hose off their their tack, like Reese. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but this is a, it's a great product. Uh, you know, this is girth sits on the horse's natural girth groove, which provides your saddle with great comfort that's not going to slip around and fall forward, fall back, side to side. So it has all the great advantages in a synthetic micro antimicrobial version. I think it's a great girth, and uh, you can also get the the wool fleece cover for it if you want. You need a little extra padding for your sensitive thoroughbred or, or thin-skinned horse. So it's a great option. There's lots of great options at Total Saddle Fit. So you can just go online and check out totalsaddlefit.com. Well, this week's Total Saddle Fit Tip of the Week, Emily Miles stayed on with us to do our tip. And Emily, welcome back to the show. And we have a little bit of a hot button we wanted to talk about. So do you want to kind of talk about growing up with young horses and sort of the state of developing young horse riders in the country? Yeah, so I think one of the biggest benefits I've had is that I grew up on a breeding farm. You know, my mother had young stallions and mares and bred them. And so a lot of my first horses, and I was never at a lack of horses because it was old, like, good, go out in the pasture. There's one that needs to be broke to ride. Go for it. You know? So after my ponies, and I was very lucky to have those next young horses to start up with, but I sometimes feel that um, that's a little bit missing in the general riding population for younger people, younger adults. I feel like there's a lot of emphasis put on the juniors and the young riders, and I totally think that's a great thing. But at the same time, I think there's kind of a void. If you don't ever teach a horse how to do a flying change, if you don't ever teach a horse how to do a half pass, you just get on a horse that already knows it and perform it in the ring, then how do you graduate from the young horse or young rider programs and then think that you'll be able to be a trainer and most trainers have to teach their own horses those things or even teach people how to teach their own horses that thing. So I just think that there's a lack of continuity there that we need to find a way to bring more young people into the young horse program and bring more young people into the developing a young dressage prospect idea, you know, not making it all about riding juniors and riding young riders, but how do I train a horse? How do I break a horse? How do I teach a horse how to lunge for the first time? You know, I don't know that many young professionals or young adults have ever been really exposed to that. And I think that that's a void in my opinion. No, I I mean, I think I I completely agree. I mean, both of you, you and I have coached young riders and we did young riders and we've done the program Mm -hmm. and it's an amazing program. And but very necessary, like absolutely. It, it is, but training but a young horse. Pre- right, and to prepare our future trainers, they need to know more than how to get on a schooled horse and perform a junior test, a young rider test, a U25 test, you know? They have to be able to take a younger horse, a talented horse, and 
develop them into that fourth level pre St. George Grand Prix horse, you know? And I think that where are they supposed to learn that along the way? What program teaches them that, you know? It's not right. the juniors, it's not the young riders, it's not the Brentina Cup or the U25 as they call it now. So I just think that it would be interesting if we could somehow meld the young horse program and the young rider program or juniors, young riders, whatever, so that it could, you know, so that we could teach our future trainers a little bit more about developing young, talented horses. I totally agree. I mean, I think, again, it, it's very much a skill. And I think it lacks here because there is still a real void between breeders mm-hmm. who want to get nice horses to the market, but don't mm-hmm. have riders. And then you have, uh, you know, other other young riders who, who really, you know, I, I am very much a schooled horse person. I think it's very important. But if you can, you really need a young horse developing while you're developing that young, uh, the young rider horse. Right. I mean, that's the ideal world. And like, I, it frustrates me when I hear, when I go to a clinic or when I hear kids talking and I get it, it's cool to do young riders. That's awesome. But when you ask a kid, what are your goals? I do not hear often enough. I want to learn how to train a horse to Grand Prix from baby on. I hear I want to do juniors. I want to do young riders. I want to do this. I want to try and get it. But at the end, we need people that want to, and not everybody wants to, I get that, but we need people that want to start young horses, that want to be able to start a young horse and bring them all the way to Grand Prix. I get that some people are more like, I'm a young horse person. I'm a FEI person. That's a luxury most of us don't have. But I do think that like, where's that want for the kids to want that too. They should want to be able to say, I can buy a foal because that's the only quality horse that I can afford and develop it all the way along. Like where's that drive to do that? I don't know. I hope it's not gone forever. (laughs) No, I mean, I totally agree that, you know, it's part of the whole deal. right? I can't tell you how often breeders come to us. Could you start, our young horses. Like I could probably employ three more people just with how many times a week I get asked, especially in the springtime. I have a three-year-old that needs to get started. Could you do it? And nice horses. We're not talking about like horses that nobody would want to ride. Like these are nice horses. And I'm like, I'm sorry, full, you know, but so many people, and then we end up sending them to the adventures and like saying, oh, let the adventures start them because it's dangerous. I totally don't believe that Starting young horses needs to be dangerous. It just needs to involve a lot of patience and a lot of, like you said earlier, skill and a little bit of know-how and a little bit of like being able to read a young horse and know what might happen in certain situations. Experience. But you're not going to get the experience if you don't start, right? Right. That's exactly right. You don't get the experience. You've got to start. And it's so important to think of that. Like if, if somebody wants to become a trainer, Right. Like you right. said, it is a luxury to have an FEI horse. It is a luxury. And it takes right. even trainers years for us to develop FEI horses. Right. And so right. that's that's the difference, right? When you're a trainer, you have more horses and you're developing of all ages. But that's mm-hmm. the critical thing. You need to be able to take that horse or whatever horse somebody calls you. Granted, it needs mm-hmm. to be a safe horse. And develop it through the years. And um, you and I were talking off air. There's a lot. You get into a lot of trouble. Um, a lot of times, like 
that's what a trainer does. You just do it more times. It doesn't necessarily mean yeah. that anybody's better or worse. You just have had more repetitions or you exactly. sit up. Exactly. Yeah. And like and, I said, that's where I was so lucky is because like my mom had young horses out on the pasture, you know, and it's like, go try to teach that horse's first spine change. Go for it. Guessing you're probably not going to be able to do it as fast as somebody more experienced or as well. Maybe you won't get it done at all, but try. Attempt. Learn different ways. Get different ideas. Like make the mistakes so you can learn from those mistakes. You know, it's a totally different ball game. But I think that we need we need to set our young kids up to attempt to make those mistakes, you know? That's right. Don't shelter them so much. <laughs> and it's okay to make mistakes. It is okay Absolutely. to not train. And, and young horses, kind of like young kids. And we're always like, it doesn't matter. It's mistakes. We can go on. Like, same thing with trainers. Like, yeah, we all make mistakes. Yeah, it was easy. We're not and perfect. It was perfect. With, right? We, we are not perfect. We're Grand Prix by now, right? And we make mistakes every day. Like I, Absolutely. I am never. Like, Why did I bring myself there again? That was totally my fault. Ah. Yeah, like oh. do it all the time. And, and so that's the thing: is young horses are, uh, you know, it, as long as it's done safely. And I, I do believe that if it's your first couple, you do need to be under the guidance of an experienced. Person. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's important. Absolutely. Yep. You know, that totally may not be agree. every day, but you do need to be under that guidance. That's really absolutely. Important. So absolutely. that's and I do believe that like there there are better ways to do it and worse ways to do it. And I think that when you develop your system, like we have a pretty darn strict system of how we start our young horses, and they all know how to do X, Y, and Z before we even think about sitting on them, you know, and then we always have the handler on the ground and that's almost a more important part than the jockey that sits on there the first time, you know, but you got to develop a system and you got to have an idea of where you're going with which, which things. And I totally think that like, there are not enough people in this country that can start a horse well, and then be able to also not only start it well, that you can back it and somebody can sit on it and it's not dangerous sort of thing, but start it in a way that already exposes it to correct dressage, you know, start it in a way that's forward, start it in a way that's accepting the contact in the correct way, start it in a way that it has an idea of bending by the time it goes under saddle for a month, you know, like start it in a way that it's logical for it to then become a young horse candidate, you know, not just starting it, hoping that you're going to stay on, you know, start it with a system. And I think people need to learn the systems to start it. There's not just one, just like, in anything, there's not just one way to do anything, but I think that there are correct ways and better ways that set that horse up to then be a good four-year-old, a good five-year-old, a good six-year-old, and eventually a good FEI horse, you know? Absolutely. Well, Emily, this is such a great conversation. Thank you so much for our trainer tip of the week and just more conversation about training young horses. That's why we've done this young horse series um, on the dressage radio show, because we feel like it's really important and we've kind of neglected that. So thank you so much, Emily, for your time. And how can our listeners contact you online if they have any questions? My email is good. WallyWooFarm at gmail.com. That's W-A-L-L-O. W-A-L-L-Y-W-O-O-F-A-R-M at gmail.com. Fantastic. Thank you, Emily. Okay. Bye. As always, we love email and Facebook shout outs. Keep them coming. We really, really enjoy them. And yeah, we enjoy- I think we've got a couple of uh, yeah. emails in the, um, in the queue inbox. So we're going to yeah. be covering those in the next couple of weeks when we can. Um, but keep them coming. I mean, we'll, I, they just kind of stay there and uh, we might not get to them 
right when you send them. But uh, a couple of these questions require us to do a little bit of research, but we really try to get to them. And uh, so keep keep sending them in. And maybe one of these days we've got to get to doing a, uh, a listener question show again. Absolutely. I think we'll, we'll get to that next month. So uh, keep the Facebook shout outs coming. We like we love feeling you know hearing from you and uh, I'm feeling like people are actually listening to us. So <laughs> we love that. Well, as always, you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. The best way to find me is on Facebook. Or my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors for allowing us to put on a good show. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back, and we will talk to you in a couple weeks. 